the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest bump. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. Hannibal. Mr. Dot Commer. On weei.com. Uh, training camp getting down, getting closer and closer, and it looks like it is going to happen, but not in the typical training camp fashion form. Delays, testing, not you know, not having practices full pads right away. But I guess the positive is it seems like things are trending towards training camp actually happening and starting pretty much on time. Yes, and starting the process towards actually having an NFL season. But in the old days, remember we used to wait, what was it, like four days? Usually the Sunday would be like full pads, goal line or something. Yeah, it was over the weekend, Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. Well, now we have to wait like a month before they'll even be putting pads on. (laughs) Um, I guess everything's not quite finalized, but it certainly sounds like somewhere in the range of 10 days of testing and conditioning and equipment, and then another 21 days of building up through almost sounds like OTAs, passing camp, non-contact, non-padded work. So you're talking about potentially a month of action before you actually put on pads and get to some, you know, hitting in football as they try to cram what would be, I guess, the the offseason and the training camp all into one month of work. Um, they haven't announced it yet, but certainly there's not going to be any preseason games. Uh, it's no. going to put on pads and wear those for, I don't know, 10 days out of a two-week span and then uh, go play the Dolphins and good luck, see how it goes. So um, I'm already going to make my prediction when I do my first, um, what the hell do I call them? Thumbs up, thumbs down or something? Yeah, from your first game. I'm going to write thumbs down tackling right now because I'm going to guess missed tackles will be part of the story probably for both teams. I was going to say, for both teams. Yeah, and you, and, which I actually don't think – I said this on the radio this week. I don't think missed tackles, if that's the, the rust you see or if that's the bad play you see, I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing in the world because that usually leads to offense and big – More scoring points, big right. plays. If the if the rust you see is overthrows, drop passes. Yeah, like Julian Edelman's crossing and Cam Newton throws it five yards over his head and the safety just catches it when it hits him in the chest. That's that's not really fun. That doesn't add to, you know, red zone highlights or the touchdowns or plays of the day. So um it's gonna be interesting this summer. Um another aspect that again hasn't I don't think any of this is one hundred percent official is looks like they're cutting rosters down from ninety to eighty guys. Certainly, I mean, you and I talked on the phone. I guess we'll get into that here. How do you go about doing that, paring it down? Do you just chop off the 10 worst players? Do you chop off, you know, undrafted rookies? Do you – I would go the other way personally. I would chop off, like, the third-year veteran who's never really played and you kind of know what he is. Um, You know, a lot of people are just assuming, oh, you're never going to get Malcolm Butler, J.C. Jackson, these guys, Gunner, because they're now they're going to get cut off the bottom of the roster. They're not going to get their chances. I still think you want to give those guys a shot because they're the unknown, and you only have to hit. Like Malcolm Butler's undrafted rookie class, I don't know how many people were in it. Let's just say there were 13 undrafted rookies or 10, whatever. Yeah, You hit on one. Like that's a lottery ticket. You got the golden ticket from Willy Wonka. So it only takes one of those guys. So I personally would, would err on the side of, keeping more of those young guys, but then you get into like practice formulation and having to have the right bodies to just execute your practices over the course of a month right. and a half. 
Um, is it as simple as one guy per position? You go to your position coach. Well, like, well, like in that aspect, you're probably better off keeping Brian Hoyer and getting rid of one of the underactive rookies. So that goes against what you just said in a way. Well, yeah, Brian Hoyer, the quarterback position, I guess, would be a little bit different. Right. Um, I, I fully expect that before we get to camp, either Lewerke or Jamar Smith is gone, that there'll only be four quarterbacks. Yes. Brian Hoyer, I think, will be one of them because he's probably valuable enough where somebody might be interested in having him, even as, you know, in a bigger picture thing, all this talk of quarantine quarterbacks. And I saw somebody reported last night that they had talked to a quarterback's coach who's doing two separate meetings. He meets with his first string and third string quarterback in one meeting and his backup and his fourth string quarterback in another meeting so that if either room were contaminated, technically he has a starter and a backup ready to go. So ridiculous in my opinion, but okay. Right. Be that as it may, that's a separate discussion. Um, In that world, Brian Hoyer has value. Like if you had to bring, if worst case scenario, we do all these hypotheticals about coronavirus. If your quarterback room got wiped out, Brian Hoyer is a pretty good option to bring in just cold off the street. You know, it's Friday night. I need you to cram, learn an NFL offense that we can execute on Sunday. Brian Hoyer has some value. So, I would guess either Jamar Smith or Brian Lewerke will be on the outside looking in come uh, July 28th or whenever it comes. Which when, uh, they're probably already here. Probably. What do you think um, it'll impact? I know we talked about this too over the phone. Belichick's way he conducts training camp. Like, will he, how will he, you know, go with missing the entire spring, but also making this a competition because the season's, you know, a month away, but also he never had time with these players to teach anything, especially these rookies and guys that are just coming in. Yeah. I mean, if he, if we actually look at this as the off season and the training camp squished together, then that 10, 10 day and then 21 day period, that's the off season, those 31 right. days. So that's the teaching camp. This is not a competition. It's an event, you know, teaching. Right. Camp. right. That's when you're installing, you're teaching. But then how can you really evaluate somebody on two weeks of work? It, it is what it is. I mean, as he would say, you know, I mean, he, I'm sure he's going to be asked a billion of these questions on Zoom calls and it's going to be, you know, we're just. Yeah, we'll it going, goes. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, you know, obviously we're in different, we're in the same boat as all teams, you know, we're just trying to navigate it the best way we can. Um, but it's, it's going to be different. And is it fair? I mean, yeah, I guess it's fair because everybody's in the same boat. Yeah, I mean, everybody has to deal with it. So, yes. The only way I would say it's not fair is what we just talked about earlier. Like, do you err on the side of veteran players because you know what they are? And I'm ta- not talking about the cutting from 90 to 80, but when you go to put a roster together, when you're giving reps in that two-week span, right? you know, does it help um, Dietrich Wise? Because you know what he is. You may have been on the verge of not liking what he is, but you know what he is more so than Nick Coe or some right. other unknown, where in past years, Nick Coe has May, June, He's probably playing in every preseason game. Right. And then you can decide, is Nick Coe trending upward enough so that I can get rid of Dietrich Wise? This year, it's they're almost like we've been. I, I always talk about this in camp. You lose touch with how much time has passed, usually in training camp, and like, from th- the first Thursday through the second Thursday or whatever there, you know, Maurice Harris, whew, guy's catching everything. He might catch 90 balls from Brady this year. Right. Or we may never, ever see him come close to making a regular season roster. But you get caught up in that little window of time, that right. day-to-day action where he looks good. 
well, that's all there is now from the competitive standpoint. Because right. I don't even think it's 14 days. It's 14 days when you can have 10 practices. Yeah, but then there's no – you can't do three days in a row. Right. You need to have an off day. Like, oh, it's super limited. Well, here's my, I was actually thinking about this when this stuff came out. Do you think the league would benefit from pushing the regular season back a week? Uh, yes. Because, this feels like it's going to be rushed. Because didn't they formulate the schedule to have – like, don't all this – don't – doesn't every team, like, have a – like, didn't they coordinate the week two schedule that every – that those teams have a buy the same week or something? Yes, there's something like that built in. I forgot the exact details, but teams that play a certain week all have the same buy. Right, so basically you could get rid of the buy week, but I don't know how that would work with NFLPA and getting that approved and all that. But you could always just push everything back and then maybe not have a week between the Super Bowl. I don't know. I feel like there's, there's ways around it. Yeah, there's definitely ways around it. And I would even argue the Super Bowl itself, they, you know, moving it, it's going to be a weird Super Bowl anyway, because right. who knows where we are at that point. Well, in terms like, of, if, they, if they even get to that. Right. Fans, parties, like you think of, oh my God, it's all scheduled in advance. Everybody comes in on Thursday and there's a party Friday, there's a party Saturday. Right. Well, they, none of those people may be coming or only a small portion may be coming. That's or, a good point too, right. So the idea of the Super Bowl like being set in stone, it's easy to move now because right now the Super Bowl is really just another game that'll be a big TV event, right? But like, right. we're not sure all the other stuff that goes around it. Oh, well, it is in Florida this year, so they kind of do whatever they want down there right now. So, yeah, and dropping like flies because of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I it, I would be for it. Feels rushed. I don't know about you because it's yeah, it feels rushed. I I. Like, is this – I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the players come in at some point. Maybe it's once they get out there and say, we can't play a game on September 13th. Right. Yeah. I think that's a possibility. And I'm sure the coaches are going to feel rushed, both in terms yeah. of roster manipulation, but also in terms of just preparation. And we can sort of segue into that because I do – you know, there's two schools of thought. Bill Belichick's going to have the advantage. Well, because he's Bill Belichick and he's the best coach in football and he has the most experience. But then – one of the ideas of Bill is that he's so good because he collects information and can analyze it, interpret it, and react to it better than anybody. Right. There's going to be no information. You have zero preseason games. Yep. And you're like, he benefits in some way because no one will know what the Cam Newton offense looks like. But right. he also hasn't seen their, the other team's stuff. defense, the other team's offense, nothing. So the Dolphins are an unknown, the Chiefs, the, the Seahawks, all those sure. early games. And we, everybody always feels like, well, Bill gets better as the season goes on because he, he knows how to adjust to things. He's, now he's got the – it's week six. Ooh, he's got six weeks of tape, and he's ready right. to really – well, does that take longer now? Is this extension of the preseason? Like, September's going – no longer is it an extension of the preseason. It September is preseason. Right? Yeah. So, I think that's an interesting – and we won't know, really. Like, we'll, we'll pretend we know. We'll analyze the results sort of like they do the stock market at 4.30 in the day and tell you, well, it went down 3,000 points, and this is maybe why it went down 3,000 points. Right. We'll analyze the, the, the result, but it's going to have some effect. And, you know, we've been doing all the questions on EEI.com, question after question. There, the, there's a lot of questions to be answered that are going to, like the coaching staff one. First of all, we haven't gotten a media guide yet. I was actually even... thinking about that the other day. When are we getting that? No idea who's coaching what, what the roles are. You know, I had sort of been told, you know, 
we know some of them. We know like Lombardi yeah. to receivers, and but I've been told there might be kind of a shakeup on defense. Like roles might be. No, we, don't, we don't know anything really for them. We don't right. know so, positions. I yeah I, so like how do they work together? Because I, I was looking back at transcripts this morning from the talk last year about the new coaching staff and how it was coming together, and you know the after. I think it was like the fourth preseason game. He was talking about, you know, we've been doing all this for the first time as a staff. So there's, well, that's going to happen again in some ways, but without the benefit of joint practices, right? No joint practices, no preseason games. So that's six opportunities you had to put a headset on, to call plays. Well, I I will say this. I think teams will get creative and sort of have these more, like we've seen that the inner squad scrimmages, not like a ton, but here and there, there'll be more of those this year. Right. But even those, you can't really – No, I know it's not the same, but – You know what I mean? Because you, if, if, if you have a blue and a white squad and Josh McDaniels is calling the plays for the blue squad and Steve Belichick's calling the defenses for the blue squad, well, now Gerard Mayo's calling them for the white squad, but that's not what he's going to be doing on game day. He'll be working for the blue squad with Steve Belichick. <laughs> right, right. So there's like, yes, you can – practice some of it and, and try but, but it's not the same as you were saying no it, it's going to be very different and then you get into the differences of coaching and you know uh, Peter King was on Dale and Keith with us yesterday and he said he definitely thinks Bill Belichick's gonna have a mask on like at all times um I don't know if that's accurate not accurate we'll, well see to the video of Tom Brady this morning didn't have a mask when he went to the Bucks facility to get tested <sighs> he doesn't care well he he, you know the old saying, it's not you a lot. the video, he like drove in his truck, does have a mask on, then walks up to the trailer where he's getting tested. And I think the guy at the trailer was like, hey, you got to put your mask on. He doesn't care because he takes protect. He thinks he can't get it. Well, I guess let's get into the Brady. Like his, see his tweet last night? Yeah, where he, he was late to the party. Well, kind of- he was late to the party and I, I feel like it wasn't like – it didn't say anything. It was It was like, I guess I kind of should put something up to support my players, but, like, I don't want to go totally all in. Yeah, I think he heard criticism either internally from the players or externally from afar because I know we talked about it on our some of our shows. Like, when they did that – what day was that where they did Sunday. the flurry? Sunday. The quarter, the, yeah, Sunday afternoon. Yeah. We hashtag we want to play or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he heard some – in probably definitely external, but maybe oh, internal. I think internal too, yeah. And it's weird because in recent years he's become a union guy. Remember, he yeah. was like top of the lawsuit, yep. you know, alphabet. Yeah, his names and all those things. Yeah. yeah he, like he was taking part, at least at least lending the value of his name to right. the effort. And then this time, because I really don't think he takes it very seriously. Well, look what he did, whatever, take all of those workouts going against the NFLPA. Right, right. So I think his, you know, the old saying, his actions speak louder than his tweets or his words yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah, I think he was kind of forced into that a number of days later than probably should have if he truly cared about it. Uh, totally. But yeah, his actions tell you he just wants to play football. He doesn't think this is a big deal. He's ready to go. I mean, most of his stuff yesterday, before he did that, he put out like the Instagram about, you know, what a quarterback has to be and do and all these photos of him in a Bucks yeah, yeah. practice. I, I don't, there's not, I don't know, you know me, Brady's kind of annoyed me for the last three or four years, but I, I give him credit. He's all in. He's yeah. all in that he's not going to get Corona. He's all in that he's going to be great and he's going to lead the Bucks to the promised land. So 
if you're a Bucks fan, I think you have to appreciate the the commitment and the stick to right. that he's bringing to it. Well, I guess he fits right in with Florida, who seems to have the same attitude as he does with the coronavirus. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, he definitely fits in there. He wouldn't fit in here anymore. Like if he oh. were, yeah, definitely would fly in the face of sort of the Massachusetts mentality uh, of all this. But that's good. He's their problem now. So, so Peter King thinks Belichick's going to wear a mask at all times? Well, yeah, he said, because Peter King did that long story with the Vikings about yeah. their protocols and procedures and so all that. Use layouts, yeah. um, and he said, he had like a general statement, if you're anywhere near an NFL player this season, you're going to be wearing a mask. That's just the reality. So I said, you know, I quote, I kind of requoted his own and said, does that include Bill Belichick? Will we see, you know, once we get pool video or Ryan Hannibal, you know, working out of Foxborough, will he be like, Bill Belichick was on the field wearing a mask? And he said, yeah, he thinks he will. And I, I don't know what I think about that. I mean, he should probably. And probably. I mean, if, if Major League Baseball players can play a game with a mask on, then Bill should be coaching with a mask on, right? Is yeah. that fair to say? Um, but we know this has become a political thing. And, but he, he's on the side of those that generally don't want to wear masks. Although now the president, the leader of the side who don't want to wear masks, says it's patriotic to wear masks. So... I don't really know what to make of it, but certainly Bill Belichick himself, if he cares about his own health, um, health, you know, could wear a mask. But he was at, you know, that that photo shoot for um, Subway. There were all kinds of people around. I, and I'm not talking about when he shoots the commercial, but when he was off to the side, I didn't see any masks. So I thought I saw him have one. Maybe. I, but, I just. But I also wonder, too, like, isn't he part of the testing? Like, he's he would be tested as much as the players, right? Well, see, that's my, like – I have trouble with that. I don't, because if I'm a player or I'm a, and you test me every day or every other day and what, whatever they're going to do. Yeah. And as long as it stays below 5% and all that, shouldn't I feel pretty darn comfortable yeah. in the building? Like, yeah. and, and I know there might be some delay and the big difference with the NFL is they're going home. So right. You test negative, you go home, your wife went grocery shopping, you're with your wife. Boom. Sure. You so I guess if you're really going to be covering all your bases, the testing is only a part of it and the mask and all that. But you're right. If you're going to test it every other day, every day, you got to feel somewhat safe. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, Bill probably should be as concerned about his own health as he should his own team's, you know, status. Right. Because even if a player gets it, especially in camp, we'll say a guy gets it. Okay. So he, worst case scenario, probably misses 14 days. And so he missed some conditioning. You know, that's really all he's going to miss. Um, because that's the other thing, you know, like Bill always says, you know, if you miss one day of camp, you're really three days behind yeah, and then yeah. it just stacks on top of it. I'm not sure that fast progression is going to be as dramatic this year. Oh. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to be, I, I am very interested to read Ryan Hannibal's daily practice reports out of Foxborough. Well, if I'm, the, if I'm one of the media that's allowed to attend on that given day, we don't, we don't know any of that yet either. First of all, how can you not be? What if they only have five people there? Then we should be one of the five. I suppose. Globe, Herald, AP, ESPN. Fuck the AP. <laughs> um, us, NBC Sports, Boston. Did I leave anybody out? Pro Pro Joe. Joe. Okay, so that's the six. I don't know, but yes. I find it hard to believe it's going to be down to five people. I do too. I think it's say it's a dozen. Yeah. You should be in the dozen. I'm sorry. You're no. there every day. I would imagine so. We are one of the primary coverage outlets. Oh, by the way, just throw this out there, even though it gets lost. We're a partner with the team. Patriots Monday, Patriots Friday. 
thank you. So if you're not there, that's asinine. Well, that's you, you know, you know how these things go. Like you, you don't know. I do, unfortunately. Uh, but I am looking forward to the the daily reports, and not just because of coronavirus. You know, I said this the other day. Cam Newton and Jarrett Stidham's every flipping footstep will be news. What direction oh. they go in, who they're talking to. Oh. Uh, uh, Jed Fish is talking to him, but Josh McDaniels is talking to him. Oh, that means Jed Fish is getting the backup ready. Josh is talking right. to the starter. Like, or, or Josh walked up the steps to practice with Stidham, and then Newton came, came back right. with, with uh, uh, Jacoby Myers. And right. What is yes, this? Everything. Absolutely every. Ooh, Julian Edelman was talking to him, but not – ooh, and I said on the – you know, the, the water boy comes out, and he squirted Stidham's mouth first. Ooh, he must think Stidham's the starter. And, right. Or even the stuff, you know, like they break up into halves of the field, and one's throwing to the tight ends, the other's right. handing off to the running backs. Right. Ooh, Stidham had to hand off to the running backs. He's clearly the back. And then you're like, oh, they just switched. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Or, oh, Newton got most of his throws in the wide receiver drills with the backups, but Stidham got with the starters. Like, right. he's everything. And, that's why I look forward to uh, Ryan Hannibal's daily updates of all that. Well, my I, thing is, I, who cares about the rest of the team? Just, just do the quarterbacks. It, uh, if I were going to say that, I, w- I would say there are, yeah, there's one massive story and then a couple little secondary stories. Like one of them, I think Nikhil Harry is I was worth. I going to say, the receiver position is one. Yeah, observing the tight ends, the targets. But it really is, and, and it's almost not Stidham in my opinion. This may or may not be a preview of a column for tomorrow morning on WWE. Yeah. Cam Newton is battling only one person, Cam Newton. Cam Newton, that's it. It doesn't – he's not battling the ghost of Tom Brady in seasons past. He's not battling Stidham. He's just trying to prove that he can still run, throw, be the guy that, you know, number one pick, just like star can carry an offense. Because if he's anything close to that, nothing else matters. Correct. That is- what – what what's your opinion on that? Like, are you still of the mind that Newton will be the starter week one? Like, it's yes. What, what's your percentage? I guess. Uh, eighty four percent. I was gonna say, and somewhere in the eighty eighty five percent range. Yeah. Um. You know, we saw the video this week, which I mocked, uh, with him and Julian Edelman. Well, kind of like what you said. If so, if somebody follows you around for however many hours, you can find thirty seconds worth of stuff that looks great. Yeah. You go out with me and my son shooting hoops in the backyard, you will find a cool shot, something that makes me look like I should be in the NBA. And then the other 29 minutes and 19 seconds will look like I've never shot a basketball before in my life. Right. Like, Dude Perfect made a career out of it. They shoot for like days at a time to make sure they get the one shot from a blimp that fell in a basketball hoop or whatever. They were at Gillette Stadium for hours on end when they did one at Gillette. So, but like – he he can throw, right? I mean, we've he seen him throw. throw. Right. It's not like we're going to be surprised and he's going to look like Tim Tebow with an end well, over end. Is there, is there also a chance that he – I guess there is a chance that he just, like, can't pick up the playbook, can't do what they're asking him to do? I would say no because I think the playbook is going to be very simple. I think they're going to – like, they have two rookie tight ends. They yeah. have a young receiver who we don't know how comfortable he is with anything. They have yeah. a new quarterback. They have two young running backs. Like, they're a pretty young offense, and they're going in a different direction. Now, it may not be a, an awaken 180 turn, but see, I got a sponsor in there, even though they Good don't for us. Um, but it's going to be a different offense, right? Yeah. So it's going to be simple. That's, I also think that helps Newton, because if crap breaks down, he's shown the ability to, to scramble a little bit, run, throw on the run. We've even seen Nikhil Harry 
show some ability there and plays that have broken down. Like, right. So I don't, to me, it's all physical with him. If he can play anymore, he will be the Patriots starting quarterback. And that's, that's just about him proving he is him. All right. That actually leads into the next segment of the podcast. Our question. We have segments. Yeah. Little little segments. We we did our our training camp Newton talk. And now we're going to get into our, our 20 questions series that we've been rolling out on the website every day. Uh, the one that was just posted this morning was about Nikhil Harry. Can he make the year two jump to potentially be the number one wide receiver? And I did have a, a – was that number one receiver? Because you wrote these questions. Was that for this year or just ever? Well, it's a little bit of both. Well, I mean, that's what I did. I said this, this question has two answers. In an ideal world, he's your number one receiver this year so that your 34-year-old slot receiver who got the crap kicked out of him last year – can kind of take it easy a little bit. I think Dante Hightower benefited for the last couple of years of having Kyle Van Oy and then Kyle Van Oy and Jamie Collins. For sure. No I think, I think Dante Hightower's in trouble this year because he's going to look around and be like, oh, oh, it's just me? You need me? Juwan Bentley? Help. Right. Um, it would be nice if Julian Edelman could get the Hightower treatment and have a couple other guys who you can really lean on, maybe make defenses think a little bit, so that they're not just saying Julian Edelman's the, the key in that offense. Right. And do I think Nikhil Harry can be that this year? No. Do I think he'll ever be that, a number one receiver? No, I actually don't. I think he's always going to be. Yeah, I was in that mindset, too. I think his, his ceiling is a solid number two. Uh, I think that's optimistic. But, yeah, I certainly don't think he's a number one, and that's unfortunate because he was well, the second. I also think that, and I wrote this, that it's held against him, sort of like Sonny Michelle. He was a first-round pick. Like the expectations are, are way higher than they should have been. So? Well, you're I'm making at, hand gestures like we're on the TV, but so? Well, do you feel the same way about Sony Michelle that you do about Nikhil Harry? That he'll never live up to his draft status, yes. Yeah, but like if, if Nikhil Harry was a second or third round pick, you would probably feel differently. And if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle, as the great Paul Perillo says. But, but what's you have to be consistent with Sony Michelle as you are as Nikhil Harry. I am. You think they're both never going to be anything? But like, uh, no, I think they're both um, talented players who will never be consistent, reliable, high-end contributors. But because they were first-round picks. My, so you, you would look at Nikhil Harry differently if he was a second- or third-round pick. Yes, 100%. So, but he wasn't. But but that's not his fault in a way. But it doesn't matter. I don't care whose fault it is. He was a first-round pick. He was the first first-round receiver Bill Belichick has taken with the Patriots. He was the second receiver taken in a class loaded with really good right. players. And they messed up. They that's took- the weight of expectations. Right. I, I just think they should be – matter in this world. But they should be reset in a way where you know that he's not at the same level as some of the other guys that were taken behind him last year. Well, no, no, no. You invested a first-round pick in him. You're, you're, you expected value out of that. You expected, what is it, ROI, return on investment? Yeah, you can still get good value out of it. You can still get you production. Can. You I mean, can, you can, but yes. you can't. You just can't. I just think fans need to realize he's not a number one receiver. Like, get that out of your head. Okay, but he was a first-round pick. Right. But I it, can't but, get that out of my head. But that blame Bill for that. Don't blame Nikhil Harry. Oh, I don't know. This is nothing personal with Nikhil Harry. But you know, this is – he had nothing to do with this. Be, this isn't the same as – like, I would say if, if a guy signs a huge con- – you know, um, Carl Crawford, 
Yep. You want to sign a huge $140 million deal and come to Boston? Well, you better believe there's going to be massive expectations placed upon you. If you didn't want that, stay in Tampa, sign with them, right. play in right. 12,000 people. This isn't the same as that because Nikhil Harry didn't get to pick where he went or anything. But the reality is he was a first-round pick. And with that comes very, very high expectations. Also, by the way, comes good money. He, he benefited, right? He got the extra money. Sure. So he, he's seen on a lot of levels as a first-round pick. And I don't think he will ever live up to that. You can give him a free pass and feel bad for him. I think this is the real big boy world where if you're a first-round pick, you're supposed to be really good. I, I just – yes, I, I agree with that. But I think we, we've realized that he's not – He's not going to be that. So why should we expect him to be that? When he didn't, he didn't decide well, I that. I don't expect him to be that because I've, I've seen him play now and I, I don't think he's going to live up to that. Right. But now this is the problem that ever, for his entire career, he has to live up to being a number one receiver because he was taken in the first round. No, at some point it, it moves on. Like when he moves on. What do you like mean? Philip Dorsett, right? Philip Dorsett moved on from Indy. Now you're looked at differently. Now you're just a complimentary third or fourth receiver or Corderell Patterson. People loved him here. You know why? We didn't take him with the 29th pick or whatever right. it was, first round pick. He's right. just a free agent signing or whatever. So you, 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 you're like, wow, that guy's a running back. He returns kicks. He's fun. He dances. You know. So, yeah, it will reset. But usually for that to reset, you have to leave the team that wasted a first round pick on you. So the other part of that question was, can he make a year two jump? What's your thought on that? Uh, I don't believe so. Now, I like what I've seen. I, you know, I wrote this in the thing that I thought one of the most alarming things was his heavy feet, his lack of quickness. And, and he got a, an agility coach. That's awesome. Right. He, he, by all accounts, he's been working really hard on Same that. Thing, but it's a social media, all the good stuff. Right. Well, but I'm going to take them at their word that that's what he's working on. I don't know that it showed great improvement, but yeah. I like the fact you know, for my own personal opinions, like, okay, I thought he had a weakness. He thought apparently he had the same weakness. He's going after that weakness. Like he could have done the opposite. Maybe he says, you know what? I'm just going to go the David Boston route. I am going to get 20 pounds heavier. I'm just going to body people up. And I don't think it would have worked. Like if he can get incrementally quicker and become a better route runner, that should help his game. Maybe that's only, you know, you know, Giardi likes to, to tout some of those like, yards of separation yeah, at whatever all that crap gen stats i don't know what's good in that maybe he adds a, a tenth of an inch or an inch or a foot or what whatever makes it good a, a yard if he adds that that'll make now that's not my only question with him he has to stay healthy he has to i saw in training camp and a little bit in regular games drops on easier passes like seems like the contested catches he well, loved so here's my, my take on that is that he's going to benefit from not having Brady around because when he had Brady last year, he was just thinking way too much about where he should be. Is he doing the right thing? And that impacted his just catching the ball. And, now, and now with Newton, he hasn't really – he can just play. And Newton, likes, like you said before, he did well with contested catches. That's what Newton does to his receivers. He's not afraid to throw the ball up in the air and risk an interception but allows his receiver to make a play. So that's, that's another thing that I – I think Harry is going to have a big bounce back here. I hope so, because as I wrote, I think that would be huge for the offense, because the offense has a lot of questions. And if that, if you just tell me Newton plays, because yep. you have Edelman, who you hope he's still a, a, a reliable guy, even if the numbers maybe don't end up quite as high. And then you add Harry. Okay, now James White catching a, we're starting right. to lay the foundation for a decent, decent right. offense. The offensive line should be pretty good. They return their start as veteran. 
that's why I think in some ways, like obviously the quarterback position is the key. Like we can talk about that forever. But after that, if Harry were to be not a number one option, but maybe if he's just a year behind, maybe if he's like a lot of the receivers, the young receivers who showed a lot of promise last year, and he's like, I don't know, an 800-yard type guy somewhere in there. I think that would be a really, really positive step for the for the overall offense. I think that'd be big. Um, the other receiver, let's hit on him, Julian Edelman. The question with him is, can he be another hundred catch guy without Tom Brady? No. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. I. I mean, he, I wrote it in the piece. Even if Tom Brady was his quarterback this year, I don't think he's having the same season he had last year. Probably not. I mean, we saw him. I know, like people like to throw out, he led the NFL in drops, but I'm sorry. If you watched all 16 games and weren't impressed with Julian Edelman, then you're an a-hole. You're, right. you're just a flat-out a-hole. You're a cynic. You're a hater, whatever you want to call it. And I've been called all of those things based on various players over the years, but he was ridiculous for what he went through. I will say it again. There was a flipping head growing out of his shoulder. Right. He could not lift his arms above his head and still found a way to catch 100 balls, set a career high for yards, while being the only reliable guy Tom Brady had to turn to. Like. Yes. That was an impressive season, but he's 34. So that season in all likelihood gets even harder this year because he's going right. to be banged up. He's not, you don't get healthier as you get older generally. Nope. Sorry, Tom Brady. That's not the way it works. Um, he's going to have a new quarterback. So there's some sort of growth period or no. Yeah, whatever. absolutely. The new quarterback, certainly if it's Newton is probably not going to be as accurate as Tom Brady. So there's going to be throws no. that are, and Newton also doesn't like to throw to slot guys. He's been more known to throw to the outside. Right. So, and then you just look at the numbers. I did the re- – Larry Fitzgerald a couple of years ago is the oldest guy to have 100 catches. He was 34. Jerry Rice's last 100-catch uh, season was at 34. So, 100 catches at 34 is hard. I just – everything that you put into well, it – And those guys aren't Julian Edelman. Those guys are outside guys that aren't taking the hits that Edelman took. Takes. Right. So, I just – you, you put all that together. That doesn't mean he can't have a good year. He can't go out and catch 80 balls. No, I was going to say, if he has 80 catches for, you know, 900 yards, like that's a solid season. Especially if what we just talked about happens and Harry yeah, has yeah. 60 catches for 800 yards. Now all of a sudden you're putting together an offense and maybe James White has his 70. And um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't eliminate Julian Edelman having a good productive season. But I do, in my mind, eliminate him as a 100-catch, 1,100-yard type receiver this year. Your Hightower comparison is a pretty good one. Like, he would benefit from sort of going the Hightower route, not playing 100%, 90% of the offensive snaps, you know, having to, you know, take not take games off, but, like, not be the number one part of the game plan every single passing play. Like, that's just not fair to a 34-year-old guy who's had the injuries and taken the beating that he has. And be out there with – um, was it the Ravens game when he fumbled when he couldn't even breathe? Remember he was like he couldn't even breathe, and then he fumbled. He was fighting for extra yards. Yes, it was the Ravens game. Yes, yes. Yeah, like, keep him out of posi- like situations like that where it's yeah, almost they, like – Remember, yeah, they're in hurry-up offense, and he stayed out on the field. Yes. He couldn't breathe. Like, he right. literally – he was fighting the rib issue that he'd had or whatever, and he was, like, gasping, and then he tried to fight for extra yards. The fumble kind of ended the game. Um, and – it's a little like Newton uh, two years ago where he's playing so well, then he plays through injuries. 
it goes south as it so often does. Like if you can avoid Edelman having to be out there every snap, every game, playing through. Now he'll want to probably. Right. But no. maybe, yeah. Maybe you can be a little smarter now. Like remember last year, was it was it Buffalo where they tried to keep him out of the game? Like they they tried to like use him as a decoy. Is Buffalo or Cincinnati? Yeah, well, maybe you can actually do that more often this year. If Harry's playing well, if Sanu steps up, if, you know, Jacoby Myers or Newton just in the way he runs the offense, like you have a little bit more to go to. I, I just I just can't see Julian Edelman chugging along as the centerpiece of the offense yet again. Uh, any other questions that you wanted to hit on? Well, I liked the um, – we had the surprise cut one. Oh, yes, yeah, surprise cuts. We didn't get to that one. I went – which may be altered a little bit by the um, – the, the schedule, the setup yeah. of camp and all that. But I went with Sanu just because I don't I don't necessarily buy everything I read on Twitter and Instagram and I don't either. The money. The oh. money's a lot. Six six and a half million is a lot. Right. Straight cash, homie, right back on your books because it's salary. So you don't nothing and um although I is there some talk about them too not doing the the veteran guaranteed salary to start the season. I thought that was in one of the negotiations. So that could affect that too. If you're not on the books for all six and a half, maybe you keep new for a couple of weeks, see if he right. can, play. if he can't then cut him. Um, so that, those types of things. That's I the other thing. You're not going to really know, you know, cause you would, the argument to cut to new is if Jacoby Myers can be that next guy or Marquise Lee, are you really going to know what you're going to get from them from whatever you get in training camp? No, you run the risk of what I talked about earlier, falling in love with Maurice Harris and then realizing later, uh-oh, that was just an early camp thing. And, right. Yeah. Um, so all of this could affect that. Some other names to throw out there. We talked about Dietrich Wise, which I don't know if he's a surprise cut at this point or not. A lot of people thought he was going to get cut a year ago. A bubble last year, yeah. Yeah. Um, I threw Marcus Cannon out there, although money-wise it makes more sense next year for him to be gone. Um, and you don't have an, um, you don't have a backup. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless you love, um, Kajus, but that's, uh, that's a tough ass to have a, a new quarterback and a new right tackle. And, and sort of a, the left tackle is not exactly stable. You know, yeah. Um, so that probably makes that unlikely, you know, one that I would have said had he not signed an extension and been like Bill's favorite player Rex is Patrick. Burkhead. No, oh, Patrick. I was saying Rex Burkett. Uh, Rex Burkhead would be another example if he didn't share agents with Bill Belichick and just redo his contract would have been a uh, a guy that I would have said. So those are some of them. I always struggle with this. I wrote it on the site. Like, if you see it coming, is it really a surprise cut? And if it's really a surprise cut, do you really see it coming? Right. Like, I don't. I don't know how any of that works. Like, is Brian Hoyer going to get cut if Newton wins the job and oh, Stidham? I would, but I don't. That could that could go into the whole coronavirus thing. Do you keep a guy around and have him be the guy that's like not at the facility and is just hanging out on his own? Right. Um, and Mike, these, Mike Reese had he did his fifty-three man roster projection today, and you always kind of read into those things. He had three quarterbacks. He had Brian Hoyer. Yeah, I would think this year you might err on the side of a third quarterback. Yeah. Um, especially not just all that stuff, but you know Newton's injuries and who knows. Right. All of a sudden, as Liz Franck is hurting him in week two or something, and that's an issue. Um, we should – I just wanted to touch on – did you hear uh, on our station, I think over the weekend, Ben Volan talking about he thinks Bill could be very active and make some trades of big players, big-name players before week one? 
No, and why would it? T- I, I can't see teams doing that. Like, um, what's the what's the argument for? Well, certainly he he posed uh, Stefan Gilmore and Joe Tooney as two names that could be traded. Um, now the Tooney one is the the simple one because it's a franchise tag. It would take the fifteen million off your books immediately. What team would want that? That's a great question. Um, because you because you can't redo the the deal. He's playing on that franchise tag. No matter what, do you do you think any team has called the Patriots to try to trade for Joe Tooney? Not since not since he signed it. Not since yeah. it became official. Right. Yeah. I I bet there is some poking around around the draft. I can't imagine too many teams having that much much interest in Joe Tooney. Like it's not this isn't personal. It's just a fifteen million dollar guard on a franchise. I can't even re-sign him now. We've passed the right. the date, so I could just have him as a rental. And he's a guard. Is is he is he the difference between me like, getting to the soup, making the playoffs and not? Probably not. Like, and again, this is no disrespect. He's not, I just don't even among guards. I don't consider him like. I'll this. just say he's he's a top five solid guard, but he's not the number one guard out there. Like right. above and beyond the best guy you need to have. Like he's unbelievable. He's a, he's right. a solid NFL player. He plays. He's very durable. He's out there all the time. Good player to have, but not a guy that you like build your offense around. Okay, so I don't really think Joe Tooney will be traded. Then Gilmore, what's that's basically kind of giving up on the season, right? Right, and Volan seemed interested in finances, and I I don't really know what the the need is to create all this cap sure, room. You got so much cap next next year anyway. Yeah, I don't I don't really understand it, and the Gilmore thing doesn't even save you a ton. There's a dead acceleration, so I think it only saves you like four million dollars on the cap or something. And oh, by the way. You're trading the defensive player of the year. That's what I mean. You're you're basically not giving up, but like you're saying, you're kind of waving the the white flag. Like we're this is a bird year, and that's so, but that goes to get the mixed messages. Why would you do that and bring in Cam Newton and well, do this? The one, the one thing I would say is if if you got a um, Laramie Tunsil like two first round picks type deal, I might think about it. Literate, yeah. But now, also, I don't know. I feel like Stefan Gilmore could be in line for a contract extension with the Patriots. He could be, but I also wonder – this gets into what you think your team is. Are you trying to get younger? Are you rebuilding? Is it – and if I add two first-round picks from a team, like does that help me rebuild on the fly kind of – I'm not yeah. tanking, but I'm not all-in kind of deal. I mean, we know Bill considers almost any trade. Like yeah. You trade J- Jamie Collins in the middle of the season where, like – But I also wonder, like, let's just say, hypothetically, they traded Gilmore in, in during training camp. What kind of message did that send to the team? Uh, I think it's terrible. Right. I mean, if I look at it, you just got, like, morale back up totally. by signing Cam Newton. So, right, you're, you're up here. Now you're going to go back down to here. Right. Now I say, let's see, this offseason we lost Tom Brady – greatest quarterback of all time we lost Rob Gronkowski greatest tight end of all time we traded the reigning defensive player of the year one of only two cornerbacks in a quarter century to win that award what are we doing here as the great Ryan Hannibal would say what are we doing here right no that'd be a legitimate question to get asked and I I I just can't see some of these those players like the McCordys the Slaters the Edelmans like (laughs) Bill what are we doing all of a sudden, they're like, uh, "Am I in the at-risk category? Can I opt out of this season right now?" No, seriously, you probably got something. I, I'm at risk. I'm out. Um, yeah, I, 
I don't think it's going to happen. I I think that was Ben just doing his usual kind of, he's not afraid to throw stuff out I there. I just can't see teams like being willing to trade during that, like be more willing to trade than usual during that time period. Then like how often do you really see many trades go down during training camp? And we're already talking about things being rushed and shortened and simplified and, you know, learning curves. Now you're, you're making this move that you're investing a lot in to get, say, Stefan Gilmore, a couple first-round picks. Is it going to pay off? Like, do you have time right. to make it pay off? And how do these teams know, like, there's probably a question mark of if the full season even happens. Like, what happens if the season gets cut short? Like, Right, it's right. Just, it's a little like the Dodgers with Mookie. Like, right. for a while there, it looked like, wait, there's a chance there's no season, but he gets credit for an accrued season, so he's going to be a free agent. So I traded – prospects for Mookie Betts and he never plays for me and now he's a free agent and like it didn't work out that way and they signed him whatever but I would if I were the team trading for Stefan I would have no interest I, I'm we're neither I'm going to bet there's too many question marks I'm going to battle with what I have and we'll see how it works out yeah uh any other those questions you want to get to or um well the simple one and I liked the poll I was not surprised to see that uh, are the Patriots going to be a playoff team in 2020? I believe it was right around 90% said yes. Yeah, I thought I looked at high 80s. Yeah. They would have finished it. Which for me was Cam Newton. And I, and I, oh, wrote yeah. That. Yeah. Parrot Stidham? No. Cam Newton? But, yeah. But are you, are you surprised? Like, they're, they're a playoff team with Cam Newton. Like, I wrote in the thing if they, if they're 500 or below and Cam Newton is healthy playing these games, that's a disappointment. Well, they're a playoff team in the AFC and the AFC East. I think if you well, put them in the NFC and the NFC West, they would be oh, fighting yeah. a battle. Well, yeah, and also the extra playoff team. Right. Yeah, that, that's to me – when I say yes, it's not as much about the Patriots as it is about – The situation an and the yeah. – I don't trust the Bills and Josh Allen. Beyond the Ravens and Chiefs, and I even think the Ravens could take a step back, you know, there's not these but lineup – the, the Titans – yeah, Titans, like, Bills, uh, Colts maybe. Right. So you're asking me to, if I'm going to pick against the Patriots, I'm relying on Josh Allen, Ryan Tannehill, um, Phillip Rivers in a new offense. Right. I mean, yes, I think Deshaun Watson, but now he lost his best receiver and Billy O'Brien, Lord knows what he's doing kind of thing. Um, Yeah. I put the Chiefs in a whole different category. Yes, they're the number one seed. Would stun me if they're not. The Ravens, I think, are in a very good category. And then it's... I it's think the Patriots, the Patriots are at the top of that next one, or at least have as good a chance of being at the top as any of those other teams. Uh, yeah, if Cam Newton's healthy, I don't think that's ridiculous to say. I, I don't. And that is a, that's an elevation from where I would have put them, because prior to that, I would have really put them in the, you're asking me to say Jarrett Stidham's going to lead them to the playoffs? Like, they would have been just as dubious, as doubtful as, as everybody else. But Cam Newton lends some – that being said, we do have to acknowledge that Cam Newton has three winning seasons in the National Football League. Like, he's more likely to not win than he is to win. But he hasn't had a coach like Bill and, and a team like the Patriots. I thought Ron Rivera was a good coach. He's a good coach. He's not, the, he's not a great coach. Okay. Well, if he's a great quarterback and he's got a good coach, it should be fine. Yeah, but the roster wasn't great. Nor is this one. The ros- this roster is better than most teams Newton had in Carolina. When did the touchdown twins induct you into the uh, organization? We just talked about how good the offense could be if Harry does this. If could be. This. Could be. Offensive I was thinking could be one of the best in football. Oh, God. Could be. Could be. Okay. I, I, I got to go. <laughs> you got to go. 
<laughs> I can't deal with this anymore. All right, so uh, let's see. You're on the radio tomorrow, Friday, Saturday. Yep. I don't know about next week. After two straight weeks of radio, I may actually go back to uh, a normal life of just, you know, a couple radios and some writing. Well, I mean, we got vacation times over for most of the full-time on-air people. Well, hopefully, because I want to take some damn vacation time. The, when's yours coming? When, you don't know yet? No, no. I want to take the first – when's the first week of August? I want to take the first week of August. First week of August is, I believe – next week? No, the week after that. Yeah, so I might take that. Oh, my- right, right when training camp starts. I'm not allowed to go. You're allowed. You're the secondary guy. What if, what if I don't want to go one day? <laughs> well, then I don't want to go. <laughs> we'll say, we'll sit this one out. Have uh, some other outlet that can't, can't come in, come in. Right. We, we will be there for, I would say, pretty much every single day. There may be some weekends here or there, but we will be there. Are you already making golfing plans? <laughs> well, the, there is the uh, big club championship the first two weekends of August, so I will not be there those days. Jiminy Christmas. Yeah priorities my friend well it's gonna work out though because we're not gonna be there the first and second because that's still like the testing period so yeah we plus we're not gonna miss anything well that's the other thing it's basically more for attendance purposes famous last words then i read on the the scroll Cam Newton had a non-contact knee injury in practice on saturday no weei representatives were there to view it according to reporters on site Uh, before we wrap this up, what's your random question of the week? Oh, God, I didn't. You know, I was thinking about this earlier. I, I, I'm stumped. One week, you had one good question, which I heard a lot of blowback about. Yeah, actually, like- I, I, I did see a lot of blowback on that one. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I guess I'll keep on the food topic. Am I, like, insane for never putting toppings on my pizza and hating toppings on pizza? You only get cheese pizza? Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? Well, like, the... Barbecue buffalo chickens, kind of like sometimes I'll do that. But like if I go to a pizza place, I'm getting pizza for like just on a, on a Friday night, I just get cheese. You really are a little kid. I know. You get a side of chicken fingers, maybe some mozzarella sticks? No, I, I just, I'm not actually a big fried food guy. I don't really know that we can continue to work together. <laughs> what do you get on your pizza? Uh, my favorite pizza is buffalo chicken. Right. Definitely buffalo chicken. I like the barbecue chickens, um, but I like a lot of places now have a big menu of specialties where they do cheeseburger pizza that has like pickles and hamburger and bacon, um, taco pizza. But even like the generic like pepperoni, pepperoni, onions, sausage, I I don't do that. What? what, Why? So like when the when the Papaginos does Gillette on on Wednesdays, I'm just the, the cheese guy. So, like, if you eat a piece of pepperoni pizza, you don't like it? I'll take the pepperonis off. Why? Because I don't like it. Just, but, like... Like, pizza's one of my favorite foods, but it has to be cheese. That's so I'm, limiting. I guess we're just realizing I'm such a basic, basic eater. You're a basic bitch. Well, actually, now that we're talking about basic, this is probably one of the psycho moves that I have eat, eating. Like, when, we, when I have a hot dog, nothing on it. Ugh. <laughs> You, mustard, relish, ketchup, God forbid, make it taste good. Onions? Nothing. Chili cheese dog? Nothing. I used to do ketchup, but now I, I'm not a big ketchup guy anymore. You must um, save a lot of money. I guess, yeah. Because, like, cheese pizza is the cheapest by far. Right. Like, a lot of these places you go, you can get, like, a cheese pizza for yeah, cheap. But, and then... but a topping is, like, a buck 25, right? Right. And if you, or, like, the specialty ones, like the one I eat, like, the oh, cheese. Oh, yeah, they're, they're like 20 bucks. 
20 bucks each. So you get your nice, simple cheese pizza. Nine ninety nine or whatever. Yeah. What is, I mean, I, I, Hey, to each his own, who am I to judge, but I am judging you. I think it's weird. I guess we've established I'm a very picky eater, very basic eater. Yeah, that's fine. So do you eat pepperoni? Mm. Like, like if, maybe like, like if, if like a pepperoni cheese platter, if it's, if it's available, yeah. But I'm not like going to the supermarket and buying pepperoni and cheese. I find this all very, very strange. Yeah. You, you never feel like you're eating plain cheese pizza. Like, you know what? I'd like this to be a little peppier too. Look, because pizza's one of my favorite foods. Me too, except I like bacon. I like pepper. Like I can mix it up, match it, and do different things. And no, I, I just like good cheese pizza. You are quite the simple man. Yeah, hey, nothing wrong with that. Really? Like, probably saves me money. Uh, it definitely saves you money. You don't use any condiments, right? <laughs> saves you fridge space. You don't put any toppings on your pizza. Saves you like five to ten bucks every pizza you buy. True. True. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely saving you money. Well, I'd yeah. probably, probably make that up in other ways. Golf and random yeah. things I buy. And, yeah. Fancy beer. You're a fancy beer drinker, yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. See, my beer are cheap. What's your go-to beer nowadays? Miller Lite. Oh, still? Oh. I found this um, from Cisco Brewing Com- Company, uh, the Grippa. It's grapefruit IPA. Love it. Does your husband drink? <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> a grapefruit beer? It's a grapefruit IPA. It's good. Uh, I'm sure it is. I wouldn't like it. I mean, I try those occasionally. And I, I, feel like I, I'm, I love Bud Light's my favorite beer, but I do like to mix up a little bit. So you go from Bud Light to a... No, it depends, on the, it depends on the situation. Like if I'm golfing in the afternoon with my friends, it's Bud Light. But if I'm having, you know, a nice dinner at home or cooking out on the grill, it's a nice IPA. See, that's too complex for me. Wherever I am, whether it's the beach, the golf course, the dinner table, uh, my couch, the boat, Miller Light at all times keeps it simple. Also makes it simple. I feel like I'm doing a service to all my friends. They know well, if they, I'm coming over... You want. Yep, if I'm coming over, have a few Miller Lights well, ready. But that... But in that situation, they know for me it's Bud Light. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Nice cold Bud Light and a slice of cheese pizza. Perfect night. Perfect night. Couldn't get much more simple. All right. Uh, we'll be back next week. With, I guess players reporting to camp to be tested at least. Okay, Ron Burgundy. Nice question mark. At the end. I, I guess. I mean, no, the players don't even know, so how should we know? Well, Cam Newton's in town. It's he all is. ready. He is. Good to go. A lot of suitcases. He's here for the long haul. Well, have you seen his outfits? Yeah, he's got, I guess. He's more than a duffel bag. He's not like Gronk who's just going to wear his Patriots mess shorts all every day. <laughs> this is true. This is true. All right. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Peace out.